This is GabNet, the great American broadcast network. Talk radio like you've never heard it before. Coming to you from the studios of the Great American Broadcast Network here in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Rob Alfano's Exchange, The X. We're going to be hurrying on GabNet Live. That's Skype. That's our Skype handle for the Citizen Panel this evening. Or call us at 347-352-0079. Good evening. It's a Tuesday night, and it's good to be with you here on the Great American Broadcast Network. Rob Alfano here, the X, as a... As Revelstoke Jim has uh, named it, I kind of like it. The X, it's Rob Alfano's Exchange. We want to talk to you. It's an exchange of ideas. And, you know, I could give you mine all day long. And, you know, I'd be happy with that. But uh, you know how that goes. We need you to open up Skype. If you don't have Skype on your computer, it's pretty simple. You can download Skype. It's a Microsoft product. It There's a, you know, there's one for Mac. And that works just amazing, as I found out with my new Mac there's also one for PC. You can get one for Linux. There's no excuse. You download Skype, install it on your PC or your computer, whatever that happens to be, and uh, just type in GabNet Live, all one word. You will join the Citizen Panel and be a part of our entertainment here, our exchange of ideas. It's Monday through Friday at 9 p.m. from 9 until 10 p.m. at 10 p.m. here. It's Alex Bennett's Ramble. He'll ramble on for two hours on the Citizen Panel and talk to you. And then at midnight, tonight happens to be Tuesday night, which means we get geeky with Miranda Janelle and getting geeky with Miranda Janelle. Midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific right here on GabNet. I say right now we start that exchange of ideas and we do that by launching the Citizen Panel and launching Skype and uh, inviting you to give us a call either by phone at 347-352-0079 or you can do it with GabNet Live right here. Um, That's our Skype handle right here on GabNet. So, um, boy, I'll tell you, we did not get to talk news at all last night. The citizen panel got going and uh, we meandered about for the evening. And I don't really think we talked about very much in the way of news. We've been following the NFL story. But before I talk about the NFL story, I wanted to mention, um, actually, I want to try to wait. I'm not sure if Rin's going to be joining us this evening, but uh, um, uh, we, we have Rick Horn joining us, in fact, right now. Hey, and, you, and Teresa, how are you? How are you feeling better, Teresa? Much better, oh, thank good you. Good to hear, good to hear. You guys, so you're home unscheduled on a uh, Tuesday. How does that happen? Well, I've been I've been working in the area this week. I'm about to get a new car. So my oh, schedule's so been heard. kind of tentative, but I had two things planned here. And then uh, 
I, I don't pick up the car until Thursday, so uh, I'll just work locally, and uh, then we're good to go. We're also getting ready to go to Italy. Yeah. Are you, are you getting the uh, the Ford that uh, Teresa was telling us about? The, uh, Matter of fact, I am. The Explorer. Is it the Explorer. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. the big one. Well, the Expedition is the really big one, but uh, this is bigger than the Escape. Yeah, because so. I was looking at the Escape when I was looking, and I liked it a lot. Yeah. But I was yeah. about who was going to give me the best deal. Yeah, and I've had very good luck with Explorers. I've had them now for, geez, probably about 14 years. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, they're they're great cars. A friend of mine had one. He loved his uh, Explorer. The only thing with me with it is the gas mileage, but you're not paying for that. No, it's company car, so and, – and even then, it's not terrible. But uh, for the amount of driving I do, as long as the company's picking up the tab for the gas. And I, and I really need it for, for you know samples and things that I carry. Yeah, yeah. Do you take I people out an, to lunch? I drive it. I'm I'm entering in this conversation in the middle, but I drive in a hybrid Escape, and uh, it, I get 30 miles per gallon on that SUV, and yeah. that's really incredible. Considering that my Corolla got an average of 30 miles per gallon when I calculated it out, hmm. um, my dad, the dashboard of my Escape actually tells me the mileage I'm getting, and I average about 30 miles per gallon, and I'm just commuting between here and the city that's you know 10 miles away at the most aren't you commuting between like where you are and where you are if you live at work <laughs> no I, I joke that my commute is actually a it's a, my commute is a doorway really but um when i i bought the escape um uh, the escape hybrid specifically because i was um I was uh, commuting between San Francisco and Santa Rosa, which is a 120-mile round trip every day, and I needed a cargo vehicle, so ultimately I needed a cargo vehicle that gave me the best mileage possible, and um, that was the escape for the price. Now, I looked at the like the Highlander Hybrid. The Highlander Hybrid is about the same amount of cargo space, and I was, up until then, a very big Toyota loyalist. Mm-hmm. So believe me, the, the Highlander is what I looked at first. But the Highlander Hybrid, for the same year, was literally $10,000 more and got 10 miles per gallon less than the Escape Hybrid did. And I was like, well, okay, so why exactly do I want to buy this? Oh, and the the clincher was that... Um, at least for my uh, for my Ford Escape, they they discontinued the hybrid Ford Escape um, and after 2012. But um, my my version is actually licensed hybrid technology from Toyota. Oh. So my my Escape actually is um, um, it's a Prius basically in an SUV. Uh, chassis. Oh. So I, I tend to call mine the man Prius. The one thing I, the one it thing I love exactly like a Prius. Um, you know, when I when I exceed forty four miles per hour, the engine kicks in. But before forty four miles per hour, it's I'm on electric only, and uh, it only asks for gasoline when it actually needs torque, right. which on an SUV is a lot more than it is on a, on a on a uh, um, on a Prius. But it's still the same engine, still the same technology. It works exactly the same. It just bigger the, the one hey, thing Danny, i liked about that, the one thing i liked about the um the ford product over the uh toyota and we bought the rav4 the one thing i like better is mike uh, is the um is the dashboard the uh, microsoft dashboard would i i have a mustang i have a 2012 mustang 
And oh, when so I, you have you have that that Microsoft yes, voice acting. the sync. I I love it. And yes. when I turn on the Toyota and I and I uh, press the buttons, you know, I can get in my car right away and say voice. Uh, I press the button and I can say you know whatever I want to say uh, USB or whatever I want to do. When I do it in the Toyota, it says not ready yet, not ready yet, not ready yet. You know, Toyota. I mean, Ford's got that down. I like that well, system. That, that's a, that's a great thing to hear because I'm only so only sort of satisfied with the um, the Microsoft that's included in my Escape, and it's great to hear that the uh, the technology that's in the Prius is not as good as the Sync technology that's in the Ford because. I do love my sync, my Microsoft sync, and believe me, having voice command in my car, and it is impressive as shit when I have people in my car. (laughs) Hey, Damon, remember that Toyota I bought back in May? That Corolla? Do I remember it? Why why would I remember that? (laughs) No, you bought a Corolla, right? Because it seemed like you knew a whole lot about... Yeah, 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 you brought a Corolla, Corolla, right? But you knew about some Corolla that I didn't know about where it was like a Corolla. What's that? I don't know. You're, you're kind of breaking up. Yeah, you're up, breaking Doug. up a little bit, Doug. You're in one of your $15 a night hotel rooms. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Can you <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. But anyway, no, I bought this uh, Corolla, and you know, Damien knew a lot about the different Corolla models and all that, and there was like one that had actually like a Camry engine in it, and but still didn't make it really a, you know, a hot rod, though. But anyway, I, I bought this thing like you know, back in May. All right, guy. Like, I just turned twenty one thousand on it since I bought that thing. That's- yeah, well, that's what you do for a living. But you see, now Rick drives a nice big vehicle. He's on the road all the time, and you're driving a little tiny thing. Well, I drove a Corolla for many years, or for three years before I bought the Escape. And you know, I'm six foot four, and believe me, uh, spending two and a half plus yeah. hours a day in a Corolla yeah. is really hard when I you're a big so. guy. That <laughs> felt like a clown. Probably felt like a clown car to you. Now, to me, I'm five eight, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, you know, I fit in there, like, you know, like a hand and glove. Well, not quite as bad as a clown car, but believe me, when I stepped into the Escape, when I sat in the Escape, I was like, okay, this is the car for me. And you know, it is kind of my dream vehicle, and I have another four years of paying it off. But uh, well, it's a fantastic vehicle. Oh, look at this! Charlie is calling us. Charlie Wallace is calling us. Guess he's not umpiring this evening. Good no, evening, Charlie. Got some rain. Yeah, some rain. I'm in Texas. Ah, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, anybody else uh, have anything on cars before we move on from the automobile? <laughs> we should try to get some car sponsors after that segment. We could get <laughs> Ford. I know because my man just. All right, so I ripped apart a little bit the Toyota system. I love the Rav Four though. It's it really runs great. We've taken it on two trips already to New York. It's been great. I just prefer the Microsoft Sync. That's the only thing about it. We have a Highlander also. And yeah, and the, and the Toyota. I love Toyota in every way. Yeah, but they're great cars. I, I prefer the computer system yes. on the, on the Escape, I, yeah. I just am totally in love with. They got I'm it right. Just, yeah. They got it right. So yeah. uh, anybody uh, have anything they want to mention? Wait, wait, I got a Corolla. What's that, uh, Doug? You got a Corolla that's got twenty one thousand miles on it, and 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 you're in a nickel hotel, and we can barely hear you. Oh no! <laughs> seven, seven. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're we're having a lot yeah, of trouble with I'll you. I'll call back. Okay. Yep. 
<laughs> so um, we didn't get to any uh, meaningful discussion, and I'm talking about news last night, which was fine with me. We talked about <laughs> movies and you know and such, um, but there is some things going on. Um, uh, I, I had spoken with Rin before, and I and and Rin had asked me, "Do you?" want me to do any Ebola updates and I said absolutely you know we can continue we can continue on in the uh, in the tradition of um, of of Albert's program um, the only thing is that she let me know that it looks like she's going to sleep through the night she had some issues with sleep last night and she was exhausted and so uh, so she's not going to make the program but I, I, I want to mention this because um, President Obama now is uh, turning his attention toward Ebola and uh, he's announced new U.S. steps to combat a growing epidemic in West Africa. Now, uh, the U.S. Uh, general leading the effort from Liberia's capital of Monrovia, American military per- personnel in the region could increase by 3,000 people working through the Defense Department. The United States will plan and construct treatment centers that could house up to 1,700 beds. Washington has committed more than 100 million bucks to combat Ebola, according to the U.S. Agency for Internal Development. Obama plans to call on Congress to approve an additional 88 million as part of a bill to fund uh, with the federal uh, government. Um, last week, USAID said it would spend $75 million to build treatment facilities and supplies them with medical equipment. The Pentagon says it's working to shift $500 million bucks of currently not yet obligated funds towards the Ebola effort. And I could go on and on and on, but I, I, I have a one question. And this, I, I, I say this all the time, even when it comes to American business. We ignore issues until they become epidemic. And then we have to throw money at it that we don't really have. No, that's human nature, Rob. It's not just human. We, I mean, it's really, I mean, how about a little proactive? No, you know, no, yeah, I know. Proactivity. I mean, we wouldn't even have a word for proactivity if we actually did it. But, you know, um, that's human nature is that we wait until the last minute. And, you know, I have to say that human nature is that we're strongest when we're under a deadline. I would agree. We come up with our best solutions when we absolutely have to. And so it's human nature to procrastinate until we absolutely cannot do so anymore. But, you know, I don't do well that way because I don't like being in the hot seat and I don't like to fly like that. I like to be prepared. And that's why when... You know, we all like to be prepared, but don't you perform better when you're under pressure? Uh, Yeah, I guess with with a lot of stomach uh, cramps and aches. Go ahead, Rick. I don't want to sound pessimistic or anything, but um, I really question the motivation here. I think what, what's happened is the, the epidemic is spreading so severely. And right now they're really concerned with this disease as it gets more and more widespread. It, it, you run the risk of it mutating right, and then being right. able to be, you know, tra- uh, uh, airborne. And, exactly. and that would really be a serious problem. And I, I think that's the only reason we're getting involved at this point. We're scared of that possible outcome. You know, so it's not fear. out of the goodness of our hearts or anything else. This is kind of a defensive mode that we're getting into. But we could have well, gone okay. in when there were nine people with it and tried to do something to help them, and it right. would have cost well, us a, a couple of cents. 
Right. And Liberia is complaining about that. It just it makes no sense. And I, I say this all the time in a lot of companies I've worked for. And, and you don't even have to work for a company to see how well, it took 9-11 for any company to get serious when it came to data protection. Right. Security they, at all. And, and, and it took what? It took the Melissa virus and the other. And I'm going back to the late 90s here. But it took. It took serious viruses on a computer before companies H1N1? really. No, 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 not those kind of viruses. No, you're talking computer viruses. <laughs> I'm talking sorry. computer viruses. <laughs> it took the Melissa virus, the I love you virus, before companies started to say, "Hey, you know what? We've already lost this much money." And then they, and then it's an overreaction. It's just let's can't spend enough, can't spend enough, just throw it at it, you know. And there's a better way. Is a better way. So I mean, and, and you know, I, I used to stop. It's to kind of like silently laugh when like Rim would bring up her little like Ebola, you know, reports and all that. Because I'm like thinking, it's like, ah, this is eventually going to go away. Okay. So, yeah. So. We were, th- I mean, when you think yeah, about I, it. I, and Rim and I apologize. You know? <laughs> I didn't think anything bad. I thought it was funny that, you know, bring it up. But I mean, I thought it was like, ah, this ain't going to be, you know, no big deal. But just it's like. Well, boy. no, I think that was yeah. kind of part, the point of the shtick. Right. You know, you know, of course, Albert's whole shtick about, you know, come on, we got to, you know, <laughs> you know, rooting into for the West it. Coast, will you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it's it is what it is. And uh, you had something to say, Damien, because I've got another Ebola related story. Well, <laughs> is it about is it about Bill Gates? No, no. Okay, well, I was just going to say, you know, Bill Gates, in, yesterday he hit the Bill uh, the Gates um, Foundation, um, contributed $50 million to combat Ebola. Oh. And so you just mentioned all those numbers that the U.S. government is giving out. And I added it up to about $188 million before that initial, before that final $500 million uh, pledge that you just mentioned. But before that, the U.S. <laughs> government said, okay, we're going to give $20 million and then we're going to give $100 million. And it's like this one private guy, Bill Gates. Well, yeah. And as, as no matter how you think about this one guy, this one guy contributed uh, at least 30% of what the United States government is contributing. And what is the rest of the world contributing? I haven't heard any numbers. Has anybody? No, you got to assume, you know, the the others, you know, uh, like Great Britain. And, and I, I think I heard I, something I, on the radio today that that I, I don't remember numbers, but I did hear something that other nations were contributing. Well, this fifty million dollar pledge or this fifty million dollar contribution that Bill Gates gave is his largest single contribution to any charitable wow. thing he's ever done. Wow. And you know, I mean, fifty million dollars to combat Ebola. Where the hell is our government? Where the hell are the other other governments in the world? Where are the other rich people in the world? You know, mm, what the hell is Warren Buffett doing? <laughs> there's no money in, in Ebola, I guess. So Isn't he scared? I mean, his entire infrastructure is dependent on people not contracting Ebola. <laughs> well, even the brothers, where are they going to get their drones from if they were all wiped out? <laughs> There'll be nothing to fight over anyway. But the big Leave it to the right. cockroaches. The big <laughs> If you listen to like these like uh, alarmists, some of these right wing guys, and I'm not saying all of them are, but the, like they're saying the big tactic is is like, you know, ISIL or whatever you want the hell you want to call them is going to get people who are going to get infected with the Ebola virus and come through our porous borders, 
you know, through Texas and Arizona, from Mexico, and going to spread it through here. Then everybody's going to become zombies. I don't think it's going to take anything. I don't think I'm more worried about the fact that just somebody gets on an airplane and doesn't know they're sick. Oh, yeah. I'm a little more worried about actual terrorists coming in through the Mexico border. I mean, who cares about Ebola? Ebola, even the most virulent thing we've humanity has ever encountered only killed like one out of five people four <laughs> out of five people we're still gonna live one out of you know? five people is a lot of people it is a huge amount of people Man. but it's still very good odds for you and me we're still very likely to be one of those four people if you live you in know, a city and- maybe not as much you know, if you if you live in, uh, you know, the rural areas where you don't, you know, but people who walk around and get on subways and get on buses and they're constantly touching where other people have touched. You grab onto the pole and the, on the bus or the subway, you touch a and doorknob. And as I said, if this thing mutates and becomes airborne. And then we're all in trouble. Yeah. And we're all screwed. And, yeah. then, you know, you can go to a you can go to an event like a concert or a ball game or. Anything if that happens and, and you're basically screwed. A whole you know, if if that does happen on an airplane, everybody on board is screwed. Yeah, so, and, I mean, that, and that ties crazy. back into what you said, Rob, about why aren't people reacting initially when these things go on? I mean, if you look at Ebola, it's been going on for quite a few years. We know there was no damn cure for it, but we were because it was able to be isolated in small villages. It didn't it didn't become widespread. Well, and this time here's what happens when it did. Had we started working on uh, vaccines way back. Yeah. Maybe this it's could a, have been prevented. It's as simple as do you do you wait for a fire to become a three alarm, ten alarm fire, or do you put it out when it's in the trash can and you see it? You know, where, where is it easier to put out and do the least amount of damage and the cheapest to put to 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 extinguish? You know, it it just doesn't make sense to me. But the uh, look at this. How I'm still alive. Look at these damn cheap hotel rooms I stay yeah, at. Yeah, so. that's true. I mean, what are you touching in there? Who knows? <laughs> the don't kill you. They just I just I feel sorry for the people that, you know, check in after me anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, this related story, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention are warning hospitals and doctors. Now is the time to prepare. They've issued a six page Ebola checklist. To help healthcare workers quickly determine if patients are infected. While the CDC does not believe that there are any new cases of Ebola here in the U.S., the assumption in the checklist is that it's only a matter of time before the virus hits home. The checklist has been distributed to major hospitals, even little ones, and one right here a few miles from me in uh, an urgent care center in Leesburg, Virginia, is mentioned specifically in this article. Uh, Every hospital, this is a quote, every hospital should ensure that it can detect a patient with Ebola, protect healthcare workers so that they can safely care for the patients and respond in a coordinated fashion, warns the CDC. While we are not aware of any domestic Ebola virus uh, disease cases other than the two American citizens who were medically evacuated to the United States. Now is the time to prepare as if uh, as it is possible that individuals with EVD in West Africa may travel to the U.S., exhibit signs and symptoms of EVD and prevent uh, present uh, to facilities. Several hospitals and medical websites have just begun to post the checklist online. So it's it's coming. And if we're not careful, it's going to arrive. And like you said, if it does mutate, look out. Well, how are we supposed to, you know, in this modern age, how are we supposed to quarantine an entire nation? 
I mean, uh, is there any way to actually do that? Even a nation as small as like Sierra Leone or something like that, you know? For. I'm Say sorry. Again? That's what the military troops are for. Huh. You start roping people in and then. Yeah, but I mean, you start shutting down the airports. What would happen if if. California got Ebola, and then uh, the governor decided he was going to shut down all airports out of the state. He was going to close off all roads out of the state. How long do you think that that would actually take to enact? You know, and how long do you think how long do you think that would actually last? And do you think it would be actually effective at all? And we're just talking about California. We're not talking about international flights or anything. We're just talking about people leaving the damn state. You can close the U.S. airports and no one's flying in, right? You'd have widespread theoretically. But here, here's a, here's a, here's a good pl- here's a good plan B though, and it's from that movie Return of the Living Dead. When they found out that there was a town that was infected by zombies, what did they do? They nuked it. Um, getting back to uh, the program, I wanted to mention this last night. We never got there. Has anybody heard about um, a, a company called Urban Outfitters? Yes. Did you hear? Oh, yeah. uh, did you hear yeah. what they uh, went through? They, they, they. <laughs> it's really kind of tasteless, but <laughs> they're selling a vintage Kent State branded sweatshirt <laughs> with what looked like blood stains and bullet holes on oh, it. Oh yeah, uh, hundred and twenty-nine bucks. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Did you hear what those things are going for on eBay? Oh, right now. I mean, if they you, were selling it, they're not selling it anymore. I know <laughs> they didn't last very long. They were selling it for hundred and twenty-nine bucks. Um, now I got seven hundred dollars now on eBay, yeah. Because how many of them were actually sold? Oh my yeah. god! But I mean, what's the what's the the thought process behind doing something like that? It was bad. That's bad. Yes, it's, a, it's an NRA stunt. Do you think yeah, that it's just a bunch of kids who don't remember Kent State? Probably. It's 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 three. I'm guessing at least a minimum of three people who had very bad judgment and thought that this would be cool and this would be a way to capture um, a demograph and capture some money from people who, you know, the hipsters who all love the ironic, you know. <laughs> so I'm guessing well, that they play. had they had three people who just. You know, maybe they had a couple drinks at lunch or something. <laughs> they didn't quite I mean, think it play, through. Let me, yeah, let me play devil's advocate. I, I mean, I saw the picture of the T-shirt and everything, and it was kind of like a vintage, you know, red was a common color back then. Before the uh, incident, after the incident, it has a vintage look where it looks like it's been, like, faded. And bullet holes? I know it has some holes in it, but it's like worn out holes, not deliberate bullet holes. Uh, it has blood splatters. You didn't look they, at it enough. Why it has did, blood splatters on why, it. Why do they do it with Kent State? Why not with Columbia? Sorry. I didn't see the blood uh, – well, the picture I saw, I didn't see any blood splatters. Oh, I did. Blood splatters on it. I, I, I caught okay. a well, I, I, I blood splatters up the side of the shoulder here. I mean, you, I you're right. right. Well, if, I saw it looked like more like a tie dye. What I saw, if it were just some college, but they happened to just pick Kent State, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, they, they make money off of uh, requests. You know, can, can I can I have a Stanford shirt that has blood spatters all over it? How about a UCSF? How about that? Give me a UCSF with blood spatters. Yeah. <laughs> Tasteless and probably again, it's it's another one of those situations where people are just too young to know. I was really I'm 57, and I it was 1970, so I was 13. What did it mean to me? 
I, I mean, I remember hearing about it. We talked about it in school, but what did it mean to me? It, it, it was a scary thing to think that somebody was at school and people were shooting guns, and that's all I really remember about it. I, I didn't even know what what they were protesting about, really. Vietnam War, right? Yeah. yeah well, it, was, it was Vietnam War. I was approaching draft age, so I was very concerned. I was very active in high school, uh, in the student union and whatnot, and uh, I remember it vividly. I had been in war protests. So, yeah. I mean, that struck pretty close to home. I got chased down Wall Street. Did you, um, did you, you must have, because I know, I think the last, I was 57, and I think the year before me was the the, uh, the last draft. So you guys had to sit and watch TV. Yep. yep. And, and, watch, your number. and watch your birthday come up. Yep. yep. Well, that's just, that. I just can't imagine doing that. That's like, you know, damn. That's why, that's why we need to go back yeah, to the draft. Yes. It was stop all that bullshit we're doing, like going to Iraq and shit. Yeah. But I, I just can't imagine watching that TV show, you know? I just can't imagine sitting there watching, you know, your life. You know, what do they do, like like ping pong balls or something? Yeah, 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 for the draft. and But, you know, they also kind of like turn it almost like in a sport, sort of like our body count and their body count and, you know, and deaths and all that and just – I don't know. It, it was just a weird time. I, mean, oh, yeah. I was a kid. You know, when, it, when did it end? 76, 74? No, 73, I think, was the last year of the draft, or 72 even. Yeah. yeah but what, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Rick and Charles, what were your numbers? I, I was I 210. Know, yeah, I was in the 200s also. New York City at that time uh, was 71. Uh, they were only pulling as if you were over basically 110, you were safe. I don't know. Oh, really? Got up to 195. I was sweating bullets there. Yeah, it depended on where you live. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I did well, not I know it, that. I thought it was just by your birthday. They pulled no, it out of the hat, no. and that's that. You you got called based on you know your number was your number. Yeah. But some areas they were calling higher numbers. I, New York City because you had so many people. Right, right. They were only getting up to about 110 at that point. Oh wow. Wow. There were a bunch of us sitting around the dorm listening on the radio as they were drawing the numbers. What was that like? Wow. Do, you, do you remember the broadcast? I mean, was it just like a, a was it a no commercial kind of just no frills broadcast? I can't imagine. It was, it was like, like, welcome to the, the, you know. If you hope you lost. Yeah. I don't remember any commercials. Yeah, I may I mean, just have blanked them out. It's just I, like I, a, just, an NBC News special report. Here's the draft. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just I, remember them work. calling out the numbers. I, but Charlie, I, wow. they gave you a number, and you said you're in a dorm. So I, I thought if you're in college, you could. I, I'm not challenging on this, but because no, but the ferments were gone by then. So college really? didn't save you, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. yeah so I was in college, and you know, but because uh, I feel like Cheney got a bunch, and you know, everybody, every other war hawk. I mean, you know, chicken hawk out there has gotten some type of deferments or pretty scary. Pretty scary. But we do, you're right. We need to go back to it. Yeah, we we need to go back to it because that makes it real. That makes war real. Well, it puts it in every. It puts everybody's kid's ass on the line. Right. You're not going to be so quick to jump into a war. Right. And you know your own kid runs the potential of being killed. Exactly. These bastards just don't give a damn, and they're they're going and letting people's kids get killed. But when it calls the shots, you know, you can believe me. Their sons and daughters are not on that list. Somehow they exactly, got exactly exactly Doug. I mean, hey, hey uh, Rick. I mean. Even if their number was two and you're, they're a congressman's son, they're going to enlist him in some uh, state side of, you know, well, event, they'll, they'll right? get some cushy job yeah. somewhere. They won't be in the front Armed lines. forces, <laughs> radio and television or something like that. Yeah. Who did that? Oh, oh, Alex Bennett did that. 
He did. He did. He was in the Navy. Come on, we all heard the story. Yeah, but we know. But it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't because he was uh, he lived a charmed life. We're yeah, joined by Dan Myers. Uh, welcome in, Dan. I uh, I guess he just knew the program was on because you can't hear it. Yeah, it's. I was looking around for it and. Uh, I guess you're having some kind of stream difficulties. Yeah, it seems that your muse is down. And ah. so we went on the... Oh, it just says we're on the air now. Oh, it went back to connecting again. Because for, oh, no. for a second there, we popped Jeez. on. It, it was up. Dan. You but, messed it up, uh, Dan. You yeah, fuck. Alex called yeah. us to say, I'm not getting you. And I looked over and I was still on the air. But then all of a sudden, the software said connecting. Yeah. And so we've been disconnected for a while. Now. Yeah. So, I hope well, my stream's you know, not down. I'll be right back. Damien, you had a you've had you had a point. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, my dad was in the Vietnam War, and you said they ended the draft in seventy two, seventy three. Seventy three, I think. Yeah, seventy three. Yeah, I was I was born in seventy four, so uh, you know, um, all of this was kind of history to me. But I will tell you that um, in high school, when um, Operation Desert Storm started. Yeah. We all started got it getting really scared that we they were gonna start instituting the draft again. I remember and that. I I I protested in high school. I, I camped out in front of the recruiting office. I mean, we're here in Sonoma County, a tiny little town here. There's not a lot we can do here, but that was what we could do. And I I did my part to to protest what I could just to prevent the draft from being instituted you know and if the draft was instituted i'm not sure what i would have done because i would have been prime age for it i have friends who went to canada yeah my cousin my cousin moved to canada he still lives there and i had a discussion with my father was a world war ii vet uh we had a discussion and he said what are you going to do i said well i don't know I, i really had no idea i didn't if my number were picked I, I honestly, to this day, don't know what I would have done. That's that's the thing. I have no idea what I would have done. My entire family, everybody I know lives here in Northern California. I, I just simply, you know, relocating to another country is completely beyond what <laughs> you're, completely beyond your experience as a 17-year-old. Yeah, but going you to know, Vietnam I mean, probably yeah. is a little bit more beyond uh, experience. Sure. Say that again, Charlie? The Canada won't let you move there to get out of the draft anymore. Yeah. So like, that was you mean you mean Canada just let people they, it wasn't an un, it wasn't an under yeah, the rug yes. kind of thing? That's, you yes. can just go up there. They yeah. just welcome them. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know I didn't know that. Hell, Cheech and Sean went up there to get out of the war. They wow. would welcome you, and they didn't care what the reason was. They would just they would just welcome you. Did the people who moved, did they become like, is your cousin a, a Canadian citizen at this point? He became a Canadian citizen. Yeah, he married a Canadian woman. But, but Jimmy um, Carter told, him, told all the draft dodgers they can, they were welcome back in the United States there. And, you know, which was you know, kind of a thing pretty much acknowledged that this was a fucked up war. And, you know, that was... Nothing be gained from it, and just uh, yeah. But anyway, I, I remember I was like, you know, I was like fourteen, you know, when the war ended. But I remember, yeah, I mean, still being a dopey kid and all that. And I, yeah, I started thinking, it was like, well, wait a minute, this thing's been going on for a long, long fucking time, and I've heard all these like possible peace treaties that fall through. It isn't even yeah. the peace treaties. It's, like, it's like, there's no, there was really no. Endgame. There was, you know, forget about peace treaties. There was, it was just like they were trying to save face 
and then they eventually just pulled out anyway. Nixon just said, it was like, I was like thinking to myself, I was like, yeah, would I boot up to Canada? But, you know, in the back of my mind, it was like, no, I got to do this because, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't have any money. I couldn't go take off. And ah, you were way too that. young to even be concerned about it at 14. Oh, well, no, I was thinking about it. I wasn't concerned about it at 14. I got my draft card. And uh, that little white card, and it was a 4-H because I was a senior yeah. in high school when I turned 18. And as soon as I became uh, graduated, it was supposed to go from 4-H to 4-A, I think it is, or 1-A or whatever it was. But I was oh, – Yeah. Well, I had yeah, an H. Say that again? 1-A meant you were draft, you know, and that was – Yeah. 1-H, uh, you were kind of old, but they could call you up. Yeah. Everybody is getting uh, sort of uh, like internet uh, low. I'm hearing that too. Yeah, uh, you're hearing it yeah. too. Yeah, Jeff, you have something. Uh, yeah, uh, a friend of mine's older. Can't even understand. Can't understand you, Jeff. Can't understand you at all. I hear you fine, Dan, and I. I, I Charlie looks great. His picture's not breaking up, and Damien's picture's not breaking up. Rick's picture's gone. Dan, we don't see your picture. It's probably just you need to stop and start your uh, your uh, camera. But everyone else is breaking up except you, Rob. Everybody, but everybody, but me. Can you see? Oh, this is one of those nice. This is going to be a great replay. This is getting. I'm only seeing your. I'm only seeing your your baseball card there, Jeff. So you can't hear me better. I turn the camera off. Um, about the same, actually. And I've got a red, you know, I've got a red, uh, this call quality information on Skype is really poor. Um, your internet yeah. connection is affecting the call. Um, Too many people watch Netflix movies. I live in the red. <laughs> it's just I, I like How true. many of you have paid your bill already? Yeah. <laughs> Are we uh, being affected by the, uh, the, the, the fast lane and slow, slow lane of the internet? Maybe uh, Netflix I'm has it and we're in the slow. I'm not paying for it, so mm-hmm. I'm in the slow lane. I, I, li- I like just valuable baseball card that he has featured for his picture right now. <laughs> I get some, I, I, It was a good news story that I saw today. I used to work in television, and I have a lot of friends who lost their jobs over the years, that they had union jobs, and they lost them to non-union shops when – when um, RCA owned uh, gener- when RCA owned the uh, NBC Television Network, um, things were great at NBC for employees. When GE took over, they they did everything they could to kill the union. And while it's not completely gone, it's been whittled down so much that there's so many outside contractors coming in to the NBC studios to to work on shows where that was never allowed at one time because the union was able to protect their jobs. But this story came out today, and I thought it was good news. CNN has been ordered by the National Labor Relations Board to rehire 100 workers and compensate an additional 200 in relation to a labor dispute dating back to 2003. 
CNN had yeah. replaced the unionized subcontractor TVS, and I've worked with a lot of the TVS folks in New York at the time, that provided video and audio technicians with non-union in-house teams in its New York and Washington bureaus. This ruling comes in the midst of a massive restructuring at CNN, as revealed by network head Jeff Zucker in a memo last month to company employees. We are going to do less and we have to do we're going to do less and we have to do it with less. Uh, look at this. We're getting um, two phone calls here. Don't know who they're from, but uh, hello, callers. Yeah, this is Jeff. Can you hear me better? Oh, Jeff. Yeah, I actually do hear you better, <laughs> but you're still on your uh, your video. And the other caller, who's the other caller? Bob. Oh, Bob from Bob from the uh, trucks, right? Yeah, Truck and Bob. Truck and Bob, welcome to the program again tonight, Bob. Nine, nine three seven. Hey, how you doing? Yes, our, our phone number, in case you want to call in, because the, the, the phone callers sound really good. It's uh, 347-352-0079. Anyway, it's, it's great news to hear that... Um, that CNN, although as CNN says, they disagree with the National Labor Relations Board's decision and they're evaluating their options. It looks like a lot of people might uh, make out on the deal. And, and who knows? Maybe the pendulum will start swinging the other way because it's been since since um, President Reagan uh, destroyed the PATCO union in what, 1980 or 81 when he did that. Um, it's been downhill for unions and, and a lot of my friends who work in union shops. Um, so that was good news. I, I, I just saw that this evening and I thought, wow, that's, that's great. I have a lot of friends, former friends who worked at, not former friends, but friends who formerly worked at CNN in New York. Jeff, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I was going to say something about Vietnam, but we'll, we'll move on. Um, the, the, the unions, some of the unions really stuck it up for other people. I'm sure there's good unions like the one you're in and, the radio people, but the labor unions, um, the AFL-CIO, they fucked it up. I mean, they, 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 they overreached their boundaries and pissed off a lot of companies. They did. And, companies, and so and I'm one of the people that got fucked over. I was management, but when we were bought, they just closed my whole company because we were union. Back in the day, 30 years ago, I was not in favor of unions. But not for anything other than they were I, – I mean, I can tell you stories that I've heard from people in the television business on the ridiculous excesses of being a member of a union and what that costs the company. Um, but what's happened now is we've kind of swung the pendulum too far, and when you make the unions worthless – you, it starts to affect people's jobs because we've got what we got because of unions. That's why we have what we have, the 40-day, 40 40-hour 40 work week and vacation pay and, and sick pay and, all, and, and medical benefits and those things. If you take that standard away. But you, your- there, there was a point there, and I mean, I, I can appreciate unions, but there was like a time where it was just like where, I mean, here, yeah, and I don't want to like be judgmental or begrudge somebody that does something that's considered, you know, blue collar. But there was like, you know, here I am sales, just, you know, I mean, pretty much a white collar profession. And then there was like people like working at these like breweries making a hell of a lot more than I did. It's not out of jealousy for just like taking labels, you know, from, you know, place A and putting it in place B. And then watching it to see if you know those labels were going to go down, and then but you know it's just 
But or, the, you know, but, Greyhound bus drivers making, you know, you know killer Doug, kind of money. And I'm not putting down, you know, bus drivers on. But I'm just saying it almost got to the point where they're, like, just making this. But, Doug, you know, don't, you yeah. think, don't you think that you should look at that and say, I should be making that money as opposed to be somebody who says they're making too much money? I mean, well, but 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 this you know, but this is the thing now nowadays. Like for the company I work for, and like a lot of other companies, I mean, it's like nobody's like giving raises now. It's like since you got rid of unions, well, why, like, exactly. So there you go. Greedy. But it's like, but one point it's just seemed like to me is like the unions got like super 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 greedy. They could have, you know, now it's like just a weird balance. Yeah, I mean, go ahead, Rick. Yeah, what what I was going to say is yeah, the the the. the the Republicans or the right has managed to convince and exactly what you just said, Rob, to convince everybody to go point their fingers at the guy who has rather than turn around and say, I should have at right. least that. Exactly. All right. And, and the unions, yeah, they may have gotten out of control at some point, but you don't just eliminate them because now you end up in a situation like we're in right now where the, the bottom is everybody is in a race to the bottom. Exactly. Yeah. And, and now they're trying, Rob, to of, they're trying to get rid of the post office. Something that's been around for years and years and years because that's like a big union. I mean, they're doing whatever they can to destroy the post office. Exactly right. There, there's no reason why they should have to fund a pension plan 70 it, years in advance. Yeah, if, you, exactly. if you factor that out, the post office is actually making money. So why do you think yeah. that is? That's all about somebody's getting paid. The Republicans and the right are determined that's, to do away with unions. We're going just back. to kill the union. Yeah, yeah they, they want turn to turn it into FedEx, FedEx and UPS so they can get all the money that there's that uh, the post office has got, and then UPS can can take over and become the monopoly that they would like to be. Exactly, and and you know well, that UPS but, is doing a lot, and FedEx and those companies are spending a lot of money to make sure this happens. That's right. Yeah, and, and what Rick says is true. They took it to rural areas because the post office. I mean, FedEx and and UPS can't make money on those routes, so it's going to be tough crackers to those people. Yeah. The, the, no, FedEx and UPS will will willingly take a loss to make sure that they're the ones in position for this delivery system. Short term, but then they'll figure out what they need to do to make money, and it's going to be at the detriment of the consumer. They'll right. ultimately lose out to Correct. you know. There's going to be yeah. there's going to there's going to be a cutback in service. You're not going to get six yeah. day a week mail delivery. Oh yeah, they're trying to get rid of Saturday service. I mean, Daryl Ice has been doing that for like the longest time. You know, like this yeah. Saturday service and Jeff? But UPS and FedEx will definitely next, guarantee Jeff. six day a week. Yeah, yeah um, I think Rick Rick touched on something. Yeah, um, this is Bob. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was a meat cutter. I was a meat cutter for Kroger's for about 25 years. And we started off in the early 80s. They wanted us to give up time and a half uh, or double time on Sundays. Um, We always got straight time on Saturdays, but we got double time on Sundays and holidays. They wanted to, wanted us to give up the double time. We took the time and a half. Then they wanted the time and a half. They wanted me to work straight time, part of my regular work week. And I said, hey, that's, that's the only time I ever make any extra money was right. on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So like- they signed a two-tier wage rate and got people in there, hired them in at a lower rate of pay, 
Right. I said when they did that, that's the end of me because what they're going to do is they're going to hire more of them than they are of me and they, of us, and 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 it, it's just like in the meatpacking industry. Every industry, uh, they got people that that are are not uh, journeymen. There, there's no such thing as a journeyman meat cutter. I can say for a fact, I'm probably the last of the dying breed. I, I am a journeyman meat cutter. I can take a piece of beef or pork or chicken and and slaughter it. I can kill it. I can I can do the whole nine yards. Yeah. But they're, they're trying to they that was the whole idea is to bring not for those people to come up to my wage. It was to bring my wage down to those people yeah. at a lower rate. And I bet I bet you're great at barbecues there. I'd love to have you cooking for me there. I'll, I'll yeah, my kids, my kids now they're older, and when they their mom and I were married, they said, "Dad, we never ate so good in our lives yeah, until sure. we went, while we were young." My dad, my brother was a teamster, and and he lost his job as well. My brother was a teamster in New York, and he would he was he had a route. And uh, he was delivering um, pet supplies for Hearts Mountain and the Carpet Magic steam cleaning machines. That's what he did. And uh, they, 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 you know, that was one another a union they cut out by going direct. So they now sell the instead of my brother or a guy like him coming into the store with a little computer, going to his racks and making sure his racks are all okay. We got to order more of these. Order more of these. Next week he delivers those, and he and he and he places the next week's order everything started going direct they got rid of all of those union jobs it's just all across the board if you had a union job they want you out i was like the company i work for right now it, it seems like and i love the company i work for so if somebody happens to be stumble across this program and says like i hey i know that guy there <laughs> I love the company i work for but there's a particular person there who i feel is kind of like a bully because if, if you get do some comparison, probably when I first started with this company, compare where it's at now, out of pocket, it's probably cost me more to work for them compared to what they were paying me then. You know, for like gas allowance and all that. And, you know, granted they've gone up a little bit on per diem on hotel rooms, but then that guy turns around and threatens me like, well, "We got to change things because, gee, you're pocketing some money there. We can't have that." And it's like, "Well, you told me I could do that." Yeah. So it, it, it's just like a you know, like why well, as I said, like I like I won like a big grand prize for a Christmas drawing, and he felt like it was his duty to come around, even though it never happened. Sort of like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to send you a tax form. Yeah, that's earnings there. Jeff, yeah, um, following up on something Rick said, um, the unions went out of control. And we agree. How come they wouldn't let? Well, I know why they were greedy. Um, but if, if, if Congress or somebody had oversight of the unions and trying to keep them in check, uh, wouldn't that have helped? Or did the unions fight it so much that no one could beat them? Because that would have solved all these problems of the unions being greedy. No, I think I think the unions at some point uh, did see the writing on the wall to some extent, and they, they were willing to negotiate and give up things. It was late by then, though, Rick, I think. I think a lot yeah, of it, yeah, it may have been too late, but, you know, and, and maybe some government oversight might be good there. Uh, but there's got to be a balance. And I don't I don't know that I trust the government. It depends on who's in charge. Right. And, and, and I think it's right wingers running things. 
their interest is to get rid of all of the unions. So, and I and I think in a lot of respects, the union really stopped caring about the people and started yep. caring about putting money in the coffers and, and it became more of a business. Yes. And uh, look, it, like anything else, it got corrupt over time. It became a, a power but thing. You, and You know, I also blame the people always say, well, that guy uh, is a bad employee. He, he, he needed to be fired uh, 10 years ago. Well, that's probably right. You know, most of the time, I, if, if you got somebody that's working someplace and they're not a good employee, I don't blame the unions for protecting those people. The one that I blame is the person who hired that person who was management. It's management's job to make sure that they get everything out of those people that they can get. Oh, it's not bullshit. the union's fault. Uh, I don't know that it works bullshit. that way. It's, tr- it's true. It's true, but I'm not going to go any more into it. Yeah, right. The union gets a hold of them and they say, fuck you, we'll do it our way. Sorry, Dan. Bullshit. That, that's not Dan. Uh, that's not Dan. Ability to run their own businesses. I mean, there, there, there are people that probably are not bad, but when they went to work for a company, they didn't. After they were working there six months or two years, all of a sudden turn out to be a bad employee. They probably were a bad employee from the get go. Okay, well, you okay, know, okay, 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 wait, Mr. Meatpacker, why did the union fight for that guy's job and make him work and fuck everything up? Why did what? Say that again. Why did the union fight for the Mr. Fuck up and help him keep his job and screw everybody in the process? Why did the union protect that guy? It's their job. Oh, so I'm going to spite you, management, and keep this, this low life on just to say fuck you. Nah, that's bullshit. Bullshit. Just like the U.S. government, just like the U.S. government, the uh, the um, the unions were meant to protect us people. And over time, they are not doing so, just like the U.S. government. Correct. Correct. You know, exactly the same. It's it's the the level of corruption gets reached. And what what happens is you become more interested in your own interests and being yes. promised jobs and being promised money, then so you look the other way. And everybody does it. You don't do it 100%. Nobody does it at 100%. But if everybody's doing it at 30%, you've got big problems. Yes. So we are, uh, it is 10 p.m. Eastern time. Um, uh, it's, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the, uh, with Alex Bennett's ramble, I we're still down. We'll see. Um, yeah, still getting an error. Yeah, well, I, I, I have a prediction what will happen with Alex Bennett's ramble. He, he will ramble on. No problem. He'll ramble on. Well, I don't know that we're going to... Uh, oh, you wait. Know. I'm hearing something now. It'll be fine on replay. I don't know how you're hearing something because I'm staring at the program that would send it out and it still says connecting. So hey, hey, unless they say something, uh, unless they Dan took Meyer, me off the air, Dan and that's Meyer, possible. Dan Meyer, sorry about the fuck you. That was misdirected. <laughs> anyway, we're I'm hearing we're, a commercial for getting geeky with Miranda. Okay, so then, so then, so then, so then, what what they're doing is they're uh, they're on the air, and I, I'll end my program, and uh, and and Alex will do his program if they're back on the air. Let me thank I thought this is the largest citizen panel I've had, and I'm off the air. 
Thank everybody oh, for that. We'll just uh, enjoy hearing ourselves on replays. That's and, right. And archives. Uh, Dan Meyer. Great job, Rob. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, well, welcome to the yeah. uh, Gabnet Airwaves. Thank you very much. Will I hear this on the Gabnet Rewind? Oh, no, wait. Jeff and Damien and Doug and Rick and Teresa and Charlie, thank you for joining me. Alex Bennett is next, I think, on the Great American Broadcast Network. Y'all have a good night now.